Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. But thanks be to God, we have a Savior who rescues the perishing and cares for the dying. We have a Savior who pursues us in our frailties and weaknesses, and He reaches out our hand when we find ourselves in a whole bunch of slime and mess and garbage, and we're being engulfed in that. God, God, God comes through again and again and again. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see. Changing our lives so we can be our heads and feet. We can make such a mess of things, especially when we take the reins away from God and try trusting in our own understanding and logic to make choices. Have you ever felt like you've made so many mistakes that your life is beyond remedy? That's a lie from the enemy. In today's message, Pastor Ed encourages us that Abraham's messes and our own, no matter how far gone, can be redeemed by two simple words but God. God is more than able and even willing to turn your messes into miracles. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message. Building in faith. Jesus gave us this in counsel, and we ought to write it in our journals. We ought to keep it ever before us. He said in Mark 14, 38, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. We must watch. We must pray. We must keep our armor on. It's a battle all through the journey. Abraham, you were doing so well. Didn't you learn your lesson? Oh, can't that be said of you? Can't that be said of me? It'll help us to know that this journey requires that we continually walk close to God. You see something else here, not only a sin repeated, but a sin's aftermath. There's always a sin's aftermath. Look at verse 9 of chapter 20. Then Abimelech called Abram and said, What have you done to us? How have I wronged you that you have brought such great guilt upon me and my kingdom? You have done things to me that should not be done. Abraham sinned. And then Abimelech was affected. And then his whole household was going to be judged. No one lives or dies unto themselves. Everyone who sins impacts everyone around them. Our sins have repercussions. It's like throwing a huge rock into a pond of water. The ripples go out to the ends. So it is with sin. A man decides to spend his money in gambling. And his home, his household suffers. A young person decides that they're going to be lazy about their education. And they neglect their studies. And so for the future, it means that all sorts of doors that could have been open, that would have been open to them, are not open to them because they just didn't pursue the right course. Now, our sins 
impact so many people. It's so intertwined. What we do has a rippling effect upon others. It's been said, because of the seamless web of life, the interconnectedness of all things, those who are innocent are often caught up in the consequences of the sinful deeds of others. Here, Abimelech, his whole household, his kingdom, would be affected by his disobedience and by the judgment of God on him. There's something else in this text. It jumps right out at me. We expect a sinner to sin. Fish swim, birds fly. It's as natural for a sinner to sin as it is for a person to breathe. But when a good man, a godly man, sins, the impact is so much greater. The consequences is so far-reaching. Let me read to you a quote. A bad man's example has little influence over good men, but the bad example of a good man has enormous power for evil. Remember the 90s and the televangelists that fell? How that impacted Christianity around the world? Abraham, this man of God, the man who's supposed to represent God and speak for God, the man who is to be a blessing to all people, becomes a curse. (laughs) Sometimes we fall so short of what God intends us to be and to do. The repercussions are great. We impact those around us. Be careful how you live and how you walk because you are the gospel of Jesus Christ to so many. They need to see the power of God in our lives and that power is only sustained by a continual relationship with God. There's something more. You see a sin repeated and you see the sin's aftermath. But you also see a sin confronted. Abimelech is angry, and rightfully so. He's been deceived. He's been tricked. He's been wronged. Verses 8 to 10 in chapter 20. Early next morning, Abimelech summoned all his officials. And when he told them all that had happened, they were very much afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham in and said, What have you done to us? How have I wronged you that you have brought such great guilt upon me and my kingdom? You have done things to me that should not be done. And Abimelech asked him, what's your reason for doing this? It's a tragedy when the world has to rebuke a believer. When the ungodly have higher standards than the godly. When those who don't know God live better than those who do know God. Here is Abraham being rebuked by a non-believer, by a pagan. God can speak to you in a thousand different ways. He can speak to you through the voice of an unbeliever. 
even through a commercial on television. Listen, I'm speaking to you. Abraham, I am sure, heard God's voice through Abimelech. God spoke through this pagan king, Abimelech. Listen to God's voice. You'll hear it in some of the most unlikely places. God can use a donkey to speak. Josiah, one of the great and godly kings in Israel's history, went into battle. And do you know that God spoke through a pagan pharaoh to him? But Josiah, this godly king, failed to discern and listen to the voice of God. The story is found in 2 Chronicles 35.22. It says that Nacho said, by God's command... Josiah was to leave the battle. Josiah didn't listen. He was wounded fatally. And he died from that wound. Josiah, a godly king, lost his life because he failed to listen to the warning of God. Have your ears tuned. Have your heart prepared. Now, how does Abraham respond? Well... Let's take a look at the biblical text for a moment in chapter 20. Abraham replied, I said to myself, there is surely no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Now, perhaps, just perhaps, Abraham, as he saw Sodom and Gomorrah decimated, as he had interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah, and there weren't even ten righteous people in that community so that as to save that city, perhaps He became so pessimistic that he thought, everybody, there's no good anywhere. And he thought that there was no God-fearing people there. But you know, I see something else in this text. He said, I felt that there was no fear of God here. You know, Abraham, if you feared God a little more, you'd fear men a lot less. Because the fear of God always will deliver you from the fear of men. When we fear God, we don't have to fear people. So Abraham, at this point in his life, he's like you. And he's like me. He begins making excuses. Listen to his excuses. I thought there was no fear of God in this place. Well, they had a lot more fear of God in that place than he thought. He said... Besides, she really is my sister, the daughter of my father, though not my mother, and she became my wife. Notice, he's going to judge. Well, there's a little bit of truth in here, Abimelech, you know. And then, listen to his argument as he goes on. And you catch this in the Hebrew language, not so much in the English, but, and when God had made me wander from my father's household... In the Hebrew, there's a negative connotation to that wander. And what he was saying, well, you know, God made me leave, and I've been wandering around, and I had a... Abraham sort of is blaming God a little bit here. Abraham, come on. Fess up. Have a little humility. Hmm. How about me? How about you? When God confronts us with our wrong, what do we do with it? Had Abraham dealt with his sin years earlier, had he understood that 
where people slip and fall, they tend to fall again. He could have watched and kept himself and protected himself. Here again, Abraham is, thank God for God. Someone has said, he who swims in sin shall sink in sorrow. You can't swim in sin. You're going to sink. You can't keep above it. It'll take you under. But thanks be to God, we have a Savior who rescues the perishing and cares for the dying. We have a Savior who pursues us in our frailties and weaknesses, and he reaches out our hand when we find ourselves in a whole bunch of slime and mess and garbage, and we're being engulfed in that. God, God, God comes through again and again and again. Abraham, do you have any idea what you were jeopardizing God had just spoken to you and said, Sarah's going to have the promised seed. God's going to give you a child. And Abraham risked all of that. He puts it all on the line. He lets Sarah go into Abimelech's household and become, as it were, one of the members of his harem. Abraham, God promised. Are you going to throw away the promise? You're jeopardizing your whole future. You're jeopardizing everything God has said. That's the way sin is. It clouds the mind. It distorts the thinking. When we walk in fear rather than faith, emotion drives us and reason leaves us. And that's where Abraham is right now at this point in his life. But thank God for God, because there's a divine course of action. I want you to see the gracious hand of God reaching down into this tangled web and untangling it. Because so many times, people create such a tangled web of confusion that on their own they could never get out of it. But God comes through. In verse 6, Of chapter 20, we see God's restraining grace. Then God said to him, and he's speaking to Abimelech in a dream, Yes, I know this. You did this with a clear conscience, and so I have kept you from sinning against me. That is why I did not let you touch her. Now, Abimelech was getting a little self-righteous here. In my integrity, I didn't do this. I didn't know. No, it was true. He was right. But God stopped him and said, Wait a minute. I want you to know that I kept you from going any further. How many times has God stepped into your life and kept you from sinning? Kept you from going a little further? Kept you from some relationship that wasn't right? Kept you from walking where you shouldn't walk? God oftentimes is intervening in the life of his people, unbeknown to them at times. They're not even aware of it. But God, in his grace and mercy, restrains and keeps you from going in the wrong direction. It was in 1779, the preacher John Newton composed a poetic fable to emphasize the truth of man's willfulness and God's overruling providence. Thank God 
for his overruling providence in our lives. Listen to John Newton's words. Once upon a time, a paper kite mounted to a wondrous height. We're giddy with its elevation. It thus expressed self-admiration. See how the crowds of gazing people admire my flight above the steeple? How they would wonder if they knew all that a kite like me could do. Were I but free, I'd take a flight and pierce the clouds beyond their sight. But ah, like a poor prisoner bound, my strings confine me to the ground. I'd brave the eagle's towering wing, might I but fly without the string. It tugged and pulled while thus it spoke to snap the string. At last it broke. Deprived at once of all its stay, in vain it tried to soar away. Unable its own weight to bear, it fluttered downward through the air. Unable its own course to guide, the wind soon plunged it in the tide. Ah, foolish kite, thou hast no wing. How couldst thou fly without a string? My heart cried out, Lord, I see. How much this kite resembles me, forgetful that by thee I stand, impatient of thy ruling hand. How oft I've wished to break the lines thy wisdom from my lot assigns. How oft indulge the vain desire for something more, for something higher. But for thy grace and love divine, a fall this dreadful had been mine. The psalmist said, you've hemmed me in. God hems us in. He watches us. He keeps us. He blocks us. Because in his sovereign care, he is watching over us. He has called us to be a blessing. There's a tendency in us to look at other people and to judge in them harshly the sins that we are not guilty of. Oh, boy, we can point a finger at people who've done all sorts of things that we haven't done. How quick we are to accuse, how quick we are to judge, how quick we are to point our fingers. Seneca said, some sins we have committed Some sins we have contemplated, some we have desired, some we have encouraged. In the case of some, we are innocent only because we did not succeed. At the core of your being, at the core of your heart, you are a son of Abraham. There's a sinful nature in each of us. And had not the restraining hand of God kept us, Who knows what the story would read? Who knows where you would be? Abraham, Abimelech, I want you to know there's a God who rules over earth. There's a God who rules over the affairs of men. There's a God who watches over his people. See, God's restraining grace, but it doesn't stop there. There's God's redeeming grace. It's amazing what God does. He's absolutely amazing. I mean, just look at the text. Verse 7. 
Now, he's speaking, God is speaking to Abimelech in the dream. Now return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you will live. Verse 17, and Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his slave girl, so they could have children again. Now, just look at the irony of this for a moment. Here Abraham is. Most of us would say, I'm going to distance myself a little bit from Abraham here. I mean, it doesn't look too kosher. But what does God do? He embraces him. He says, Abimelech, he's my prophet. Isn't it amazing, God's love? He's not ashamed of us. And we may bring grief to him and hurt to his heart. But he says to Abimelech, this man, I know he didn't behave properly, but I want you to know he's a prophet. What was God doing in that when he made that statement? I believe that he was protecting Abraham because Abimelech realized that the touch, the man of God, would be to touch the apple of God's eye. For the scripture says, do my prophet no harm. And so God, as it were, were putting that shield and mantle of protection there around Abraham when he said, this man is my prophet. God, how many times has he gotten you out of the mess that you put yourself in? How many times has the God of heaven saved you from yourself? There's something else in this too. There's a real irony in this fact. Abraham is childless by Sarah. No children. And God says, Abraham, you pray for Abimelech and his household. Their womb is shut. They're not able to have children. So Abraham goes and he prays and God does a miracle. How often does God work through you in ways that you minister to others where you yourself have needs? Hear me in that. Abraham, he has no children by Sarah. Her womb is closed. But now God says to him, now you go pray for others. And you pray for that household. And he's bringing Abimelech and he's bringing Abraham together. God is a wonderful uniter. See, God called Abraham to be a blessing. And if it was left to Abraham on his own, he would never have accomplished it. He would have never had performed it. He never would have been a blessing. Everywhere he would have went, he would have stumbled over his feet and been a curse. But God, but God overruled his frailties and weaknesses. And God will use you in spite of your weaknesses and your frailties, never forget it. Never forget it. Now don't indulge it and don't toy with it. Live a life of holiness. But understand this, that God himself has given this covenant. He walked through those burning animals and symbolized that he was taking the greater responsibility as Abraham merely watched. And he said, I'm going to be the one performing what I've said, keeping my word to you, watching you all of your days. Abraham, you are going to be a blessing. I've called you to do that. I've ordained you to do that. Sometimes as you pray with people and as you talk to others, you know that you don't have the strength in yourself. 
but God works in and through you. Thank you, Pastor Ed, for bringing us that great teaching from the life of Abraham. We have so much more to learn from the man who lived such an incredible life of faith, and yet still messed up sometimes, trying to make God's promises come true on his own. When we're in that space of waiting for God to come through and fulfill his promises, it's so easy to take our eyes off him and try to make things happen with our own efforts. We hope today's message encouraged you to keep your eyes fixed on God today and commit to waiting for him to do things in his timing. Doing life in community with other believers encourages us and strengthens us as we wait on Jesus. Do you have a church home? If you're in or around Poughkeepsie, New York, you're invited to join us at Faith Assembly. We'd love to be the people who come around you to encourage you in this life. We have services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. filled with biblical teaching from Pastor Ed and worshiping God together. You'll find directions and more information when you visit our website, buildinginfaithradio.com and clicking on the Back to Home page tab. If you aren't in the area but would still like to listen to more of Pastor Ed's teachings, check out buildinginfaithradio.com as well. There you can find a wide variety of archived messages from Pastor Ed. We've enjoyed our time together with you today, and we hope you'll tune in next time for Building in Faith. Your word restores.